Hi y'all, welcome back to Living Transparent. Uh, today's episode, we are going over chapter 8 and chapter 9 of the book of the life book based on Mark. And we are actually halfway through. So if you guys are following along, we are on page 44. Yeah, so uh, last time we ended with Jesus healing a deaf man. And now he's still continuing to like with his miracles. So now we are seeing that Jesus feeds the 4,000. If you guys remember, we kind of had read a similar story like this. So basically, once again, a great crowd had gathered and they had nothing to eat. And uh, Jesus said, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have had nothing to eat. And once again, Jesus keeps demonstrating his compassion all the time. And uh, his disciples, they um, so crazy because they had seen this. But now get this. Now the disciples are like, how can one feed these people with bread here? You know, they were like, how, how are you going to feed them? And it it's kind of like the other story, too, because in the other story, they were like, how are we going to feed them? We have nothing. And um, Jesus asked them, how many loaves do you have? They said seven. So they had more loaves than the other time because last time it was 5,000 people and they had uh, five loaves and two fish. And this time, 4,000 people and they have seven loaves. And... Um, what I wrote here was that the disciples had already seen Jesus feed 5,000. And this is another incident, you know. It, it's it's um, like a similar uh, instance, and they still question. They're still questioning, you know. They're like, there's still that sense of doubt. And it's kind of like they forgot what Jesus had previously done. Yeah, it was like they, they've seen it, they experienced it, and yet they were like, oh, like... When now? Like, like what? <laughs> yeah. And um, I feel like instead of, like, them asking how can we feed these people, their response should have been, like, Jesus did it. He can he do, do it, it again. again. Yeah. But, no, they were like, no, you know, how how is this even possible? And Jesus, he took the seven loaves and he gave thanks and he gave them to, dis- to his disciples so they could give them to people. And once again, we see that all of the crowd they ate and were satisfied and they took up the broken pieces left over seven baskets full so they ended up with more than what they had to begin with that that's just the prosperity of of jesus there that's crazy imagine not having enough and then having left over for everyone like yeah take it take it for tomorrow (laughs) (laughs) yes uh so then we move on to where the pharisees demand a sign from jesus um, so they began to ask him, like, if you done, if you have done so many miracles and, like, do another miracle right now, a bigger miracle than all the miracles that you've done. And he was like, um, he said, why does this generation seek a sign? Truly, I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them and he went on the boat. And um, I was telling Ashley how I wrote here that Jesus didn't perform his miracles to convince people that he was mm-hmm. Jesus. Um, he was performing his miracles to demonstrate and really show his uh, compassion, his compassion and the power of God too. Mm-hmm. He was he wasn't doing it to show off or to yeah. Play. Did you guys see what I just did? Like no, he was doing it out of the kindness of his heart and like out of love, out and of grace. Uh huh. Yeah, and the Pharisees were just like basically they were trying to provoke Jesus, and uh, they had bad intentions in the way of temptations, and it um. Like, Jesus, like, he knew their intentions, so that's why he didn't, like, you know, do what they asked of him. And 
uh what melanie just read like why does this generation seek a sign there's a worldly concept that we see so much and it's i won't believe it until i see it but um we have to have that uh uh perspective of no i have faith in jesus and i don't necessarily have to see anything to believe in jesus yeah and then so we move on to the leaven of the pharisees and herod so they jesus was like he was on the boat he was like like what happened like did you guys not see me perform this same miracle like a few weeks back or like i don't know yeah and then they were like well no yeah and and, he, and this was all because they had no bread so yeah. they were like we have no bread we have nothing yeah and then that's when he was like what are you guys doing what are you guys talking about yeah when they were discussing like ashley said that they didn't have any bread so then jesus he was like what the heck and then he came and he was like why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? He was like, I just, I just did it. Like, yeah, I keep doing it. And you guys keep not believing. Yeah. And he said, are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000? Having many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And then they were like, I'm 12. Yeah. And... I, I guess what I wrote here, too, was that Jesus was confronting the disciples, you know, like you just said, because it seems as like they don't learn. Yeah. They, they don't learn. They keep seeing and they don't learn. And Jesus constantly shows the disciples his faithfulness, but they look past it, you know, and that's just what you like read. Like, like, do you not remember? I feel like God, uh, Jesus was in a way like frustrated. I feel like we, you can really tell his tone of voice in this. Like, yeah. And I wish we could have like a recording of like the way that Jesus like I imagine Jesus like talking around and be like, like come on, like, what the yeah. Heck? But all of this he did with the intention of love, uh-huh, he with was, the um, yeah. And the disciples, like I just said, they seem to often forget of the many miracles of Jesus. And then he was, he said again, "Do you not yet understand?" He was like, "Come on, please, like please." Yeah, that that's crazy because um, I guess you don't know, you know, maybe the disciples were getting used to the many miracles of Jesus, or maybe they they their unfaithfulness and their doubtfulness is what caused them to um, not truly understand and not remember. But it it uh, Jesus here, you he was like ah, like I'm I've done so many things and you still don't really understand like like come on mm-hmm. like uh, in a way like get it together like come on like it was like like a wake up call i guess you yeah, could say for them and now we go to Jesus heals a blind man at Bethsaida and uh some people brought to him a blind man and they begged him to touch him and Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village and when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, do you see anything? You know, Jesus was asking this blind man, like, okay, like, I already put my hands on you. And now he's asking, like, a, you know, a simple question, like, do you see anything? And um, this man, he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. So here, this is a different type of healing. It's a healing that we hadn't really seen before. It's a progressive manner. Yeah. And uh, many people are reading this story. They assume that Jesus made a mistake because instantly the man wasn't healed. But uh, that's not 
the case. You know, Jesus does everything with perfection. He does everything with a purpose and with an intention. And a progression was used in this case to help grow the man's faith and even courage. Um, because uh, I was meditating on this story, right? And I thought about this one instance. And it's kind of funny because I was like in the Starbucks drive through right? And I ordered my usual. And I was like, yeah, give me an iced matcha. Uh, and I was like, you know, I'm going to get a venti. <laughs> so I was like, give me an iced matcha venti. I get to the window and they have like a, di- a completely different drink. And I'm like, what is this? <laughs> you know, in my head. But I took it. And I was like, okay, fine, whatever. I'll just deal with it. And here, when Jesus like asked him, do you see anything? He could have, this man could have been like, yeah, I see perfectly fine. Like, oh my gosh. Like, yeah, I was like, yeah. <laughs> But no, he was like, I see people, but they look like trees. So even there, it shows like the courage that this man had to build up because the, it, it, it does show courage, you know, like I think if I was that man, I would have been like, yes, they I see, see I see everything. Yeah. But no, this man, he, his faith and his courage grew within the progressive manner, within the process and even there's another point too that I was thinking about last night when I was reading this, like this man could have gotten mad. You know, this man could be like, they told me you would heal me. They told me you could do this. And I can't see. Like, there could have been different reactions of, uh, that this man could have had. You know, there could have been the reaction of, oh, like him lying and saying, I see, fine, thank you. Or there could have been the reaction of him, like, being mad. Like, why didn't you heal me instantly? And I also kind of begin to think that when um, we seek something of god we always want it instantly but this man had a like you know there was a couple of there was a little steps that he had to take mm-hmm. and uh then um this man resp- I, I like the way that this man responded because he was like you know what i see people but but they look like trees he was being honest he was being honest and and open and vulnerable with god which is what uh you constantly have to do you know uh and then uh, Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored and he saw everything clearly because the man was honest, vulnerable, and open. He was patient with his own process mm-hmm. with uh, Jesus. And um, yesterday I wrote this and I was thinking, you know, uh, and it's that many people are walking around half healed because they didn't have the faith to let Jesus finish the work. This man could have gone half healed. You know, he could have been like, yeah, I see perfectly fine, whatever, moving on, you know. But no, he said, you know what? I can't see that well. And Jesus was like, thank you for your honesty, for your vulnerability, for for just having that relationship with me and having that connection with me to tell me that you can't see. You know, Jesus knew that he couldn't see. You know, he obviously he knew. He knew and he was like, let's, you know, let, let's see what happens. Mm-hmm. And this man was like, I can't see. And then Jesus touches him again, and now he's able to see. And now he goes completely healed, completely blessed. I think a lot of people um, do that where they sometimes they're ashamed of what they or might be. They might be ashamed of like, oh, like he didn't do it like all the way, like, or because of their own unfaithfulness mm-hmm. and their own faith, they were healed not completely, and they were like they might have been like ashamed. Where it has happened to me where my faith hasn't been strong enough and I'm ashamed that my faith wasn't strong enough. Yeah. And now I'm too ashamed to go back and be like, hey, you know what, like... Mm-hmm. No, and that makes sense. But this man, he was just like, you know, he was honest. And that's so straightforward. That, yeah, that's something that we have to be with uh, our relationship with God. Be honest, you know, be like, no, you know what, this and this. And this man, he had the 
the courage and the faith, you know. And now we go to Peter confesses Jesus as the Christ. And Jesus was walking with his disciples and he asked uh, his disciples, who do people say that I am? Jesus obviously knew, but, you know, he was like, okay, let's see what they say. And uh, the disciples told him John the Baptist, another say Elijah, and others one of the prophets. And now there's a change of question. Now Jesus asked them, but who do you say that I am? And there's a difference between uh, who other people thought Jesus was and who his disciples thought he was because his disciples were the one that was always with him, you know, the ones that knew Jesus directly. And Peter answered him, and he was right on the mark. He was like, you are the Christ. He was like, you are the Christ. And Jesus strictly charged them to tell no one about him. That's crazy. Again, uh, that's something we see over and over throughout his miracles where he's like, uh, go on, don't tell anyone or like, yeah. keep it to yourself and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So we move on to the next part where this is a, uh, one of the first times that Jesus uh, foreshadows his own death. And he was teaching the disciples and he was telling them that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests. And he tells them that he must be killed and after three days he will rise again. And after he said this, Peter was like startled. He was like, what? Like, no, like, what are you doing? What are you saying right now? Like, yeah. And he started to rebuke him. Um, but turning to uh, the disciples, Jesus said to Peter, go behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but the things of men. Yeah, there's so much wrapped in this. Like, yeah. first of all, Jesus is telling them everything that has to happen to him. And he said this plainly, you know, he was like, you know what? I, I can imagine them like, you know, this. Like, like a regular conversation with a friend, you know, like, yeah. this is going to happen. Like, it's like when you're planning, like, let's go out, let's do this. And he was, like, saying that, you know, like, I'm going to, this is going to happen to me. I'm going to be rejected, you know. I'm going to be mocked. And Peter couldn't believe it, you know, because um, he, and it's crazy because we just read that Peter was, uh, he said, you are the Christ. And now he's rebuking Jesus. And it's like, okay, like, what happened in between that? But I was telling Melanie that, the Messiah is seen, you know, as the most highest, as the one that has to be holy, as the one that uh, symbolizes strength. And Jesus obviously symbolized all of this. But by Jesus saying that he must be killed, that he was going to be rejected, it, it like didn't make sense to Peter. It's like, you're saying you're the Messiah, but you're going through all of this. Like, it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And that's where um, Jesus said, you are not setting your mind on your mind on things of this world because Peter rebuking Jesus didn't align with scripture because it was already previously said that this must happen but Jesus uh Peter wasn't on the same I guess uh well obviously we're not on the same level of Jesus but like he just didn't comprehend yeah I mean if I guess um I think we said a few episodes back it if we were in his shoes we would have done the same thing yeah because you're like this doesn't make sense. You're like, yeah. like, why would you do that? Like, why, why would that happen to you if you're the Messiah? Yeah. Um, and so then uh, Jesus goes on to tell the disciples in the crowd, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is like clear on what we have to do as followers. Yeah. He's like telling us like, he, this is what you have to do and this is what you have to do. And it's up to us to do that or not to do Yeah. Um, and then he goes on to say, for whoever will save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake in the gospels will save it. And this is, that's very powerful. And he's uh, saying this to the disciples and the crowd that's following yeah. him. 
So he's telling them what to do, and he's like, well, you guys have to do this. Yeah, and he's saying that the gospel is worth it. You know, yeah. it, it's worth living for Jesus. Yeah. Um, and then we move on to chapter 9. Yeah. So then here we see the transfiguration. And after, you know, after all of this happened, after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up to a high mountain by themselves. And uh, Jesus was transfigured before him, before the disciples. And he was like transformed right in front of them, you know. And uh, his clothes uh, became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. So like it was just like a, like just the glory of God, like just shown to them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses. And they were talking with Jesus. So uh, here uh, I asked, like, uh, you know, one of the questions that I have always asked was, like, why Elijah and Moses? And it's because they were both people that represented God in a very good way because of what they had done and what they did. And um, Peter, like, couldn't understand, you know. And I was reading yesterday that... Um, Peter was, like, a very, like, open person, you know, because first he's, like, the first one that's, you are the Christ, and then he's, like, uh, he's, like, starts rebuking Jesus, and now he's, like, he, now he's saying, uh, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah, for he did not know what to say. Peter's always, like, the first one to speak out. Yeah. And um, the, the other disciples, John, James, uh, they were also terrified, you know. I mean, I can't imagine, like, you know, they, 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 um they knew that elijah and moses were dead way past their time because it was like in the old testament and now they're seeing them there and jesus is talking to them you're like what? you obviously you're terrified because you're like I've, I've, I've never seen this before mm-hmm. like what, what, what's going on what's happening and uh a cloud overshadowed them and a voice came out of the cloud and the voice said this is my beloved son listen to him so there's a couple of things to um from here and first of all the cloud represents the glory of god because in the old testament a cloud would always follow the israelites and direct them you know like if they were um jesus would always be like uh represent his glory with a cloud and then also i i this part is very impactful and i love it that it says this is my beloved son because um by saying my beloved son it was a confirmation and assurance for the disciples you know it was like He's telling you that he is the Messiah and he is the Christ. So, like, listen to him. And um, suddenly looking around, they no longer saw anyone but Jesus only. So, like, I can't imagine, like, the the disciples' thought process, you know. They were probably, like, so confused, yeah. And um, when they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus told them not to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead I mean, and also, like, I don't think anyone would have really believed them. You know, they would have been like, you're, you're crazy. Like, that couldn't have happened. So, uh, they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead might mean. But we had just read, you know, that this is basically, once again, foretelling uh, his death and resurrection. Yeah, he's kind of, like, preparing the way for the disciples to, like, not be so, like, um... I guess left alone in a way that yeah. they didn't know what to do after, mm-hmm. and so dependent on him mm-hmm. because this next story we see yeah. how like you know, yeah, it's like you like 
uh, in a way, uh, Jesus was like giving them all the resources. He was giving them all the tools. He, he was, was like, preparing he them. was yeah, and they they just like needed to truly understand and, and take a grasp of what Jesus was telling them to do and commanding them to do. Yeah. And so we move on to the next story where Jesus heals a boy with an unclean spirit. And here the disciples were were trying to cast out a demon from this um, boy, um, but they were able to. So then uh, Jesus came and he was like, what are you guys arguing about with them? And so then the father came to him and said, teacher, I brought, I brought my son to you for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. And then he went on to say, So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able to do so. And then Jesus said to them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. Yeah, that's the crazy start of the story because the disciples, they had the authority of Jesus, yet they couldn't cast out this demon because, like Jesus said, faithless generation. Yeah. And and even that statement, like, how long am I to bear with you? And how long am I to be with you? He, like, just keeps saying, like, come on, the time is coming where I have to, like, you know, fulfill the scriptures of, of, of my uh, death and resurrection. Yeah, anyway, I feel like Jesus was kind of becoming more, like, um, like, oh, like, tomorrow, like, my, the time's running out. Like, yeah. You need to understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw that it was Jesus, he immediately was thrown down. Yeah, and that just shows the intensity of like this demon. You know, mm-hmm. he he tried to do the most harm even while Jesus was there, but like he couldn't do enough because mm-hmm. Jesus was there. Yeah. And so then Jesus was like, "How long has this been happening to him?" And the father said that it had been happening since he was just a kid, since he was like all his life. And that he even tried like jumping in into fire and into water to just kind of end it all. And the father of the boy said to him, "If you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us." And that's like a, I guess that's the very first step of like being like, you know what, I need you. Yeah, you're the only thing that can help us, right? Yeah, but also that if is a huge word, you know, mm-hmm. because there's a sense of doubt and possibilities that that are open and that mm-hmm. can occur there. And Jesus said to him. If you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. Mm-hmm. And immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe. Help my unbelief. I love that. Like when I was reading that yesterday, I was like, I highlighted and circled everything. I was like, I love that statement. Like, I believe. Help my unbelief. You know, um, it, and it's impactful because the man recognized that he was, he, he believed, but he was still lacking a little bit of faith, yeah. you know. And he, he he knew that he needed the help of Jesus. And that man had a desire. You know, he yeah. he, he had a goal and he was like, I, I need you to help my unbelief. And I feel like that's something that we should constantly apply in our lives. You know, like, yes, we believe, but help that little bit of unbelief that I have in my life. Yeah. And so then uh, Jesus went on to say, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. Um, and when he said that, the boy started um, convulsing terribly. And when the spirit came out, the boy seemed like he was dead. Mm -hmm. They were like, well, he looks like a corpse. He's not moving. He's not doing anything. But then Jesus uh, took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. Um, And then the disciples were like, why were were we not able to cast it out? Mm -hmm. And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out, but 
by anything but prayer yeah and i wrote here on the side you always have to be ready you know this is something that we hear in church like you always have to be ready you always have to be ready and uh being ready requires being right with god you know in prayer uh, reading your bible uh, fasting and communication that's something that god was telling them he was like i gave you the uh that jesus was telling you he was like i gave you the authority but you were lacking prayer and you were lacking fasting you were lacking the most important things you know because anything um uh christian in your life anything like like you you have to always back it up with prayer Mm -hmm. you know you can't go you can't live life without prayer you can't go on with your day without a prayer you can't so that was required in this instance Mm -hmm. and now we go to jesus again foretells death and resurrection you know this is the second time we see it now um and Jesus said, the son of man is going to be delivered into the hands of men and they will kill him. And when he is killed after three days, he will rise. You know, uh, Jesus tells them what has to take place. You know, this this has to happen. And uh, the disciples did not understand and they were afraid to ask Jesus. They, they couldn't picture the process that Jesus was going to have to go through. Mm-hmm. It was... Um, it is a, a inhumane process, you know, it was a process that is hard to picture. Yeah, I imagine just, like, being with the Messiah for, like, forever and then just him telling you, like, you know, like, I'm I'm gonna die, yeah. but I'm gonna come back. And imagine the thought of process of being, like, wait a minute, you're gonna die and then you're gonna come back? Like, yeah, like, you, you don't understand. Uh-huh. And then we go on to who is the greatest. And, um... The, the disciples were like, you know, talking among themselves. And Jesus was like, what were you guys discussing on the way? You know, he asked them. And they kept silent because they were ashamed of what they were talking about, you know. And because uh, they were arguing with one another about who was the greatest, you know, between them. They were like, oh, no, because I'm the greatest, I'm the greatest, I'm this, I'm the greatest. And Jesus said to them, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And here, like I was telling Millie, like Jesus could have instantly been like, I'm the greatest, obviously, you know, but here he was basically describing his characteristics that if anyone would be first, he must be last and a servant of all because Jesus was always serving. You know, he was always a servant. And I wrote here to be like Christ means you serve. And Jesus was telling them, like, you know, you have to serve and you, you, you have to like we said right now, deny yourself to take up your cross mm-hmm. and, and serve. Um, and so this next part, um, it's a it's a really good part. And it's when John said to Jesus, "Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and you tried to stop them, but it was but they were not following us." So I felt like John was like, "Did you see them? Like they were doing it too. Like, mm-hmm. and they weren't even with us. Like they were using your name. You know, kind yeah. of like tattletale." Yeah, because I guess he like. He was like, no, only we can do that, yeah. you know. He felt greater than, yeah. yeah. So then Jesus went on to say to them, "For uh, do not stop him, for the one who is against us is for us. Like, and he said everything with one simple, like, he was like. That basically wrapped everything uh-huh. up, you know, saying like, you know, if you believe, like, Jesus also gives you the authority, you know, mm-hmm. like, like he had just done to the disciples and it wasn't just it's not like the gospel was just designated for the disciples and it was just like they could only like you know pray or they could only cast demons no it was for everyone who who believes and for everyone like that accepted the gospel yeah 
Um, and then so we move on to the temptation to sin. And here's where Jesus says, whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to, uh, if a great uh, millstone were hung around his neck and were thrown into the sea. So he said, hey, like, it's better for you to do that than to make one of mine fall and sin. Yeah, because like, a, that's the worst thing, like causing anyone to sin. And it kind of goes to like, you know, I guess you can relate it to peer pressure. Like, mm-hmm. come on, nothing's going to happen. Just, you only live once. Yeah. You know, that's always you hear. You Just always hear like that. when um, the enemy told Eve, like, you're not going to die. Yeah. Like, kind of like in that same mm-hmm. way. And like, you, that's, you should never be the reason why someone like, you know, mm-hmm. falls into a sin or temptation. You always have to be that person that is purified and holy and helps mm-hmm. people. Yeah. And the, he also says, if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than two eyes, than two eyes to be thrown in hell. So he's not saying like, take your eye out. Right? It's not literal. Uh, he's yeah. saying like if it's causing you to sin, then why are you why are going we, back to it? Yeah. And, why are you still keeping it around yeah. you? Why are you still holding on to, to that? that? Yeah. And then uh, this last part is like the most. I feel like it's the most impactful part for me. And it says, salt is good, but if the salt has lost its saltiness, how will it make you salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. Mm-hmm. And here the salt is us, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, we are described as the salt of this world. And uh, to lose its saltiness is like we lose our purpose, our purpose our, what God has intended for us. And it's like, no, don't fall into temptations. Don't fall into sin. But be the salt, be be the difference, be be the one who's holy, be the one who's pure, be the one who who constantly follows Jesus, who does the right thing. It may not seem right to the world, but it's right. But it's right amongst uh, God's eyes. And yeah. I also love this last part, and be at peace with one another. You know, at all times, be at peace with mm-hmm. one another. And that was the end of chapter eight and nine. Uh, still a lot of, so many miracles from Jesus and so many like now we see that jesus is foretelling yeah we're getting to the climax of the story yeah now we're getting to like the 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 intense part of the story yeah but this is just i just love this like rereading all of this makes me just like truly appreciate everything so that was it uh and thank you so much for listening or watching we truly appreciate each and every one of you thank you god bless